Well, greetings, golf addicts and enthusiasts around the world. Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. And you know what? This podcast is all about me, Pat Perry. It's all about me. DB is not on the show at all this week. Uh, he's busy doing other things. And so all you've got is me. All you've got is Pat Perry. Oh, that kind of rhymed. Um, and it's going to be a good show. We got a lot of things to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm kind of making this show a little different, though. Okay. And uh, first off, let me talk about who we're sponsored by. We're sponsored by Covers. Covers is absolutely fantastic. Uh, cannot just thank them enough for being the presenting sponsors on the show this week. Covers is fantastic. I mean, you're talking about NFL right now. It's full swing, college football, the major league playoffs are going on. Really, the World Series is going on right now, and my Braves lost last night. I didn't like that. They're back in Houston. So you got Major League Baseball you can bet on. You got NHL. You got NBA. All of that stuff. And Covers.com is where you go to start your betting process. You know, Covers is going to make you a smarter better. That's what we're all trying to do. I'm trying to do it daily, okay? Last week, I sucked when it came to the, my Bermuda picks. They were awful. So I go to Covers, and I'm going to be better by going to Covers.com. I mean, you get up-to-the-minute odds uh, is on any sport that you want to talk about. Industry-leading matchup pages for handicapping games. Expert analysis for dozens of games each day. Covers.com is the place for people who love sports and love to win. That's what I love. I love to win. Winning starts at Covers.com. So thanks, Covers, for presenting the show this evening. Um, and you know what? We're combining the show again, just like last week. Uh, we are going to be talking your betting picks, your DFS picks. But here's the thing. Here's how I'm switching it up. We're basically going to have Fantasy Golf Sommelier live this evening, okay? All right? So each week... I do a video called the Fantasy Golf Sommelier. Now, now, sometimes, like in the swing season right now, it's kind of hit or miss whether or not I'm going to do the video. Next year, when we get into, full, into the full season in 2022, there'll be one every week, okay? But I have a way that I do the Fantasy Golf Sommelier. I have your, your Sutter Home Pick of the Week, which is basically your cheap play. Uh, I have your – because Sutter Home is really cheap, crappy wine – Okay, but I'm mean, not crappy. It's, it's good. It's okay. But these are these are my value plays when I do the Sutter Home. And then I'm going to give you the Boone's Farm fade of the week. If you've never had Boone's Farm, it's awful. Go to a gas station. That's pretty much the only place you can get it. And uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to have my fades. And then I'm going to have the pop the court plays of the week. It's going to be a little bit different how I'm doing it uh, tonight. But um, so stay tuned for that. And it's going to be exciting. Uh, what am I drinking on? Okay, I'm going to interact with the chat a lot tonight because uh, it's just me, so I can do that. I got a little Wild Leap uh, beer, and uh, it's really good. I'll show it to you. This is uh, the local gold blonde ale. Pretty simple, but it's good. Um, and you know what? It showed up in my local grocery store uh, this week, so I was pretty excited about that. Um, anyway... You know, I don't want to talk too much about Bermuda, um, mainly because the guy that I faded, out of all the freaking players in that tournament, although they were losing players left and right, I think they ended up with like 120 starting. Uh, Lucas Herbert, or Earbert, as DB likes to say, won the damn tournament, and he was one of my fades. So that was pretty bad. Um, 
And you know what? That happens. Okay. That happens. Sometimes, uh, you know, DB's doing the chalk bomb right now. I think he's already picked a winner, you know, on the chalk bomb. So sometimes these things happen. Um, and I don't know how well my other plays were, but whatever. I don't care. Um, by the way, we had a Nut Hut winner again last week, like we do every week. Wine and Shine at 247 uh, won the Nut Hut Listener League, which is fantastic. Uh, good for Wine and Shine 247. So if you're not doing the Nut Hut League, first off, you got to get in the Nut Hut. Okay. Here's what it is every week, we do a contest, contest only for Nut Hut members. You get in that contest. If you get a weekly win, okay, you get into the, to the, to the, the contest for the annual championship basically that ends at the end of the season okay and that winner gets an all expenses paid trip to either augusta or savannah to play golf with us to have some fun to have some drinks and to uh to have by the josh kistler josh kistler won i did not know that was your D dk name josh i can't believe that um well good see see kistler's great i mean he knows more than wine. He knows more about wine than I do, really. But I am the fantasy gossamalier, so I can do it whatever I want, say what I want when it comes to wine. Um, what else, Sam? I don't know if there's anything else that I want to talk about as far as Bermuda is concerned. Uh, it really was, you know, it is what it is. Um, congrats to Lucas Herbert. By the way, I had a ticket. I did, I did have a, a bet on Taylor Pendrith. And I don't know what the hell Taylor Pendrith did down the stretch because I wasn't watching it, but it was awful. I mean, that was terrible. His his you know it's like welcome to the PGA Tour, okay? So you know you get these college players they get to the NFL and they get hit. You know they just like some freaking two hundred fifty pound linebacker that can run you know four zero speed hits them and almost kills them. You know that's what happened to Pendrith. He 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 was welcomed to the PGA Tour having a lead on Sunday and he failed that test, but you know what? I think he'll come back. I think, I think Pendrith will come back. He's a good player. Um, you know, so we'll see. He's got another chance this week, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's a choke job there. Um, Sam, anything else on your mind? I, I you know, Sam's uh, helping me out tonight and, uh, I'm glad to have him. And, yeah, no, uh, I, nothing else on my mind. I, uh, I was surprised Pendrith didn't shut the door on Sunday. I almost yeah. threw in that live bet, and that would have gone as badly as all my NFL bets did. So, yeah, it was it was not good. I had him at fifty to one, but anyway, hmm. moving moving on. Moving uh, on. No, let's let, let's do course preview. All right, so we're getting into get get into the course this week for the Worldwide Technologies Championship at Mayakoba. Just when you think these names can't get any longer, we get to Mayakoba and they get longer. Um, but we are at El Chameleon Golf Club again. This week, uh, it is a par 71. It's 7,000 yards. We got a full field this week of 156 players. Top 65 in ties will make the cut. Interesting grass surface this week. Paspalum is the grass surface from tee to green. And, uh, you know, you look at this course. It is a resort course, but there's, there's a lot of trouble off the tee. And, you know, you got these tropical jungles and mangrove forests and, and that kind of stuff all, all off the tee. So you can get into some trouble. So I think that you do need to have some driving accuracy this week. It's not something we want to look at every single week, but I think accurate drivers 
are definitely you know going to fare well on this course and and ball striking as well. I think if you look at the pass and and who showed up as far as the stats are concerned, uh, ball striking is certainly one that has been a key stat every single year as far as the success for players on this course. You just got to be consistent. You got to be consistent off the tee. The greens are huge. Okay, so you know when you look at strokes gained approach, that's fine and all. But look, you got to be knocking it close and you got to be making birdies. I mean, we see 20 under pretty much win this tournament every single year. So birdies are going to be huge. All the scoring stats. So I think that you're you're going to add in those scoring stats. You're going to look at ball striking, driving accuracy, maybe a little bit of strokes gained approach, um, and certainly course history in some recent form as well. I'll be looking at all those as far as um, my stats this week. Defending champions, we have Victor Hovland who was 20 under, as I mentioned, 20 under wins a lot here. Uh, he won last year. And by the way, I had him. He was one of my bets this year or last year. He was at 20 to one. So I was uh, pretty pumped to hit that one. I think that was the first one I hit last year. Then you had Brendan Todd in 2019. He won at 100 to one, 20 under also. Matt Kuchar won at 50 to one at 22 under. Uh, that was the famous uh, L2 can year where he stiffed his caddy after winning. And then 2017, Patton Kazire won at 19 under at 60 to 1. And Pat Perez in 2016 won at 21 under at 125 to 1. So we've seen in the past several years several, several long shots uh, getting a victory here. So I think uh, that's certainly something we're going to want to look at. This is, this is long shot season. I mean, am I right? It's long shot season. Um, so here we are. So let's get into some plays. And uh, let me, you know, it's hard. Here's the thing. When you're doing this show by yourself, you can't drink as much. And I that's that's difficult, you know, because I'm trying to drink my beer here. And I can do that when DB's talking because DB talks a lot. By the way, it's probably why I get a little tipsy on the show because DB talks so much. I mean, what else am I going to do? Just sit here and drink my beer. Um, we'll anyway. allow you some sipping breaks, Pat. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. As many as you want. We're here for it. Okay, there we go. All right, so here's how we're going to do this show, all right? Um, like I said, this is a Fantasy Golf Sommelier show, live, by Pat, okay? And we're going to start with the Price Like a Sutter Home Plays Like a Camus Play of the Week. So I'm going to give you three guys in the 7K range and three guys, actually two guys in the 6K range that I really like. I think these are good, cheap, value plays this week and uh so that is what i'm going to do and so we're just going to do it different we're going to do it different than we normally do it and that's because i want to and i can uh because it's my show um so in the 7k range i'm going to start with a guy ct pan oh by the way sam just reminded me okay hang on a second put this let me put this down for a second i gotta put on my robe because this is what I usually uh, do my picks in for the Somalia. This is like super. Mis- this is full Mister Rogers mode right now. Look at my hair, it's crazy. <laughs> Whoo! Yeah. Wow. Whoo! Okay. All right. Greetings, golf enthusiasts. Welcome. To the fantasy golf sommelier version of the tour junkies podcast and we're going to start with the price like a sutter home plays like a god 
almost just choked. Plays like a Camus play of the week. I'm going to start with CT Pan at 7,300. Okay. Um, you know, CT is a guy that is not very flashy, um, but he's got really good course history here. T11 in 2020, T16 the year before that. He's made the cut four straight years. Uh, you look at the stats for him. I mean, it's not this, this guy is not going to wow you all that much, but. He's a great ball striker. He's top 20 in the field in ball striking. He's 22nd in the field in strokes gained approach. He's fairly accurate off the tee. He's kind of in the top third there. So I like CT Pan at 7,300. I think he's a great price like a Sutter home plays like a Camus play of the week. I'm also going to go with Russell Knox at 7,300. Now, he also has some fantastic course history. You look at the last few years. He was 23rd last year. 33rd the year before that, top 10 in 2018, third in 2017. You know, he's been playing fairly well recently. You know, when you look at Russell Knox, he always seems to fly under the radar a little bit too. I, you know, he was T12 last week at Bermuda, T29 at Sanderson Farms, top 58 at the Fortinet Championship. But also when you look at the stats as well for Russell Knox, he's top 10 in fairways gained, so that's driving accuracy. He's 17th in the field in ball striking, top 20 in strokes gained approach. You know, the putter is always a little bit of an issue with Russell Knox, but I like the form he's bringing in here. I like that price at 7,300, so he will be another price like a Sutter home, plays like a Camus play of the week. And then I'm going to go back to the well with Johnny Vegas at 7,400. The stats just keep you know, jumping out at me with, with Johnny Vegas, you know? He's top 20 in opportunities gained. Scoring stat on Fantasy National that I love to look at gives you a, a just a, a snapshot of guys that are giving themselves chances to make birdie. And then I like, you know, he's top 10 in birdie or better percentage, top 10 in ball striking, top 20 in strokes gained approach. Now, Vegas's issue is always off the tee. He's not necessarily that accurate, but I still like him this week. You look at his tournament history, very good tournament history. He's had a top 10 here about five years ago, top 20 last year. And then another guy coming in in pretty good recent form with a top 15 at the CJ Cup um, a few weeks ago. So I like Johnny Vegas at 7,400. Now let's drop down to the 6K range. I got two guys here that I really like. I'm going to start with Tom Hoagie at 6,900. Now I feel like there's a lot of folks that are going to be on Hoagie this week. So he may be higher owned. You look at his recent form. I mean, he had, you know, top 20 at the Zozo, T32 at the CJ Cup, top 15 at the Shriners, did miss the cut at Sanderson Farms, but then had a T36 at the Fortinet Championship. So very solid for a guy in this range at 6,900. And then you look at the stats. I mean, he's fifth in opportunities gained, 42nd in ball striking, 23rd in strokes gained approach. Pretty accurate off the tee as well. So Tom Hoagie there at 6,900, I think is going to be a good play this week. Now this next guy, is somebody that I really wanted to play last week, and I just could not bring myself to do it. And you know what? I never can bring myself to play this guy, but I think it might be time to play a little bit of Danny Lee at 6,900. Yes, I am going to play him this week. You look at last week, he finished T2nd. Okay, so I should have gone with my hunch. You know, if... That's some. That's one of the things you know about DFS golf or betting on golf that I think people got to do more of is go with your like. If you're looking at a guy, even if they're like everything says maybe you shouldn't play him or he's burned you in the past or whatever, you know, 
I think you just got to go with your gut a lot. And Danny Lee is a gut play for me this week at T with, you know, coming off that T two last week, you know, you look at his course history. It's not all that bad. I mean, he's 26 and 2020. He had a second place finish in 2019, a top 25 in 2018. So it's pretty good course history there for him. And then, you know, you look at some stats for, for Danny Lee. I mean, he's number one in the field in birdie or better percentage. He's 38th in ball striking, 43rd in approach, 51st in the field in driving accuracy. That's not bad at all. So Danny Lee at 6,900 is one of my favorite plays in that 6K range. I like him a lot. Now, let's move on to your favorite Boone's Farm fades of the week. Now, on the video that I do weekly, I usually give one in each category. So the video comes out usually on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I record it Tuesday night, so probably Wednesday morning. Um, I'm going to give you one Price Like a Sutter home. I'm going to give you one Boone's Farm fade of the week, usually a guy that I think is going to be higher owned, um, and I'm going to fade him. And then I'm going to give you the Pop the Court play of the week. Now, I'll talk about the Pop the Court play of the week in a minute, but let's get into the Boone's Farm fade of the week. And I'm going to start... You know, I'm going to start up top in the, in the 9K and above range. And I think this one is fairly obvious. I think you know where I'm going to go here. And that's going to be Brooks Kepka at 10,000. Look, Brooks and Jenna are vac. This is vacation mode time for them, okay? They're in Mayakoba. Jenna is on a poolside somewhere having Brooks take pictures of her, okay? He's wearing thongs. He's doing everything else besides playing golf. I don't like him at all this week. You know, he is Brooks Kepka. He's a great, he's a great golfer. I get it. But we know his history when it comes to events like this. He just doesn't really get up for him. I mean, and you look at, I mean, you look at the history here. Missed the cut last year the first time he played it. Okay. So that gives you a little bit of information on how he felt the last time he played here. I mean, he hasn't really, to me, been in all that good of form recently. I mean, he's played the Shriners and was T67. You know, he played, you know, in Vegas, by the way, CJ Cup in Vegas, T38. So vacation mode again for Brooks Kepka. So Brooks Kepka to me, I think, is a pretty easy fade up here in this 9K and above range. Um, I'm going to save the, the 8K one because I love this one as a fade and mainly because it's just going to tick off DB when he listens to this. If he listens to it, I don't know if he will. Um, but in the 7K range, I feel like Joaquin Neiman is going to be talked about a lot this week. I think that price is a is a good price to him for him, and I think there's some value there for sure. But I have a feeling that he could be just way too highly owned this week. And I'm going to fade Neiman. I'm going to fade Neiman. I don't like him this week. You know, you look at his recent form, it's not all that great. T28 in the Zozo and T45 in the CJ Cup. There's like 80 people in the field. T40 at the Shriners. So he really has not played all that fantastic lately. Um, you look at his his record here, T23 last year, missed the cut in 2020, T60 in 2019. So I just feel like Neiman's going to be a guy in this 7K range that's going to get a lot of chatter. He's a well-known name in this range. People probably might think he could be a little bit higher priced. But I'm going to fade Neiman, and I'm going to fade what I think is going to be a little bit too high of ownership for him. Um, by the way, I mean, the stats aren't fantastic for him either. I mean, nothing. I mean, the best, it, 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 what I'm looking at, 
between opportunities gained, birdie or better, fairways gained, ball striking approach, the best he is is 52nd in ball striking. That's it. He's 102nd in fairways gained. He's 70th in birdie or better percentage. 73rd in opportunities gained. I just don't see it with Neiman this week. So he is going to be a Boone's Farm fade of the week. Now, in the 8K range, drum roll, please. I am fading, and I think I think this guy is like, so Boone's Farm has all these flavors, okay? Some, they're all, they're all crappy, okay? But I think they got like a, like a, an orange flavor or something that's just even more crappy, you know, and it's supposed to be a wine. It's supposed to be a wine. Um, so this is the orange flavored Boone's farm. And that is going to be Maverick McNeely at 8,500. Oh, Oh, a DB just fell out in his chair. Cause he loves some Maverick McNeely, but you know what? I'm going to fade him this week at 8,500. I don't like the price. You look at his stats. They aren't that great this week. I mean, he's, 82nd in the field in birdie or better percentage, 73rd in driving accuracy. He's 81st in the field in strokes gained approach. Um, by the way, Sam's telling me it's the Boone's Farm Orange Hurricane. Okay, so Maverick McNeely is the Orange Hurricane play of the week, and I don't like him at all. I think he's going to be way too highly owned. And, and, and look, I know he's been playing pretty well lately, and a lot of people have been on him. I mean – They've kind of ridden him since that second place finish at the Fortinet Championship. But here's what he gave you. He gave you a miscut at the Shriners right after that. He gave you a T38 and a T25 at the Zozo and the CJ Cup. Nothing really to write home about. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall into the Maverick McNeely trap this week, and I will fade him. So there you go. Those are the Boone's Farm fades of the week. Brooks Kepka, Maverick McNeely, and Joaquin Neiman. Okay. Time to sip a little beer. A little wild leap. Hmm. It's good stuff. Okay. Let's go on to the pop the court plays of the week. All right. So when I do the fantasy golf sommelier video, the pop the court play is the guy that I'm I'm popping a cork on that I that I really kind of came on to later in the week um, that I didn't talk about on the podcast, that I haven't seen much chatter about but a guy that I, that I think can pop, you know, and a guy that he's, he's sort of like the Danny Lee, although usually I take a higher price guy. Um, but it's kind of like the Danny Lee, a guy that just kept popping for me when I was looking at stats, when I was looking at form and history and all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm going to go that that's, that's typically who my pop the court play is going to be. Now this week I'm changing it up a little bit because I do want to give you some good plays in the eight K range and the nine K and above range that I do like. So some of them may be higher owned than I usually like them to be for the pop, the court. I don't know. I haven't looked at anything as far as ownership projections. Um, so I'm going to start with last year's winner. I'm going to start with last year's winner, Victor Hovland at 10, nine. I like him again this week. You know, I, I'm not afraid of taking a, you know, a guy to go back to back as far as winning. Um, obviously he knows the course well and, and played well here last year. Uh, you look at the stats. I mean, he's basically number number one across the board for me. Opportunities gained. I mean, top twenty five in opportunities gained, birdie or better percentage, fairways gained, ball striking, and approach. I love some Victor Hovland this week, and I'm going to play a lot of them. He's at ten nine. Now, the next guy that I'm going to go with is Aaron Wise at ninety six hundred. How can you not like Aaron Wise? He's in good form. 
you know, that's a good price. I do think he could be a little bit chalky. But I, I don't know. But I think Wise could be chalky. But checks the box in opportunities. Gainey's second in the field in birdie or better percentage. He's 27th in ball striking, 31st in approach. Traditionally a great putter. So I like some Aaron Wise there at 9,600. And um, we'll see how he does. Now, here's the guy that I actually think could be a pop-the-court play, meaning a guy that I would have probably gotten on. Like, I started kind of, like, going into the crystal ball here with the pop-the-court play and who I think would have been that guy and somebody I don't think anybody's going to be talking about. And that's going to be Billy Horschel at 10-1. Nobody wants to play pay 10-1 for Billy Horschel. He's not going to jump off the page at you as far as stats are concerned, but he is very accurate off the tee. He's traditionally a pretty good ball striker. I think Billy Horschel could be a sneaky good play, and he's going to be low-owned. We haven't seen him play over here lately. And when I say over here, I mean normal PGA Tour events. But he won He won in Europe recently, and he, he looked really good doing it. I think that was about a month ago. But still, I love Billy Horschel. I think he could be like the true pop-the-court play in this 9K and above range. And I know he's going to be low-owned. I just know he is. Um now, let's talk about the 8K guys, and I'll start with Russell Henley at 8,200. I mean, you look at his stats, opportunities gained, driving accuracy, ball striking, all of them are, I mean, approach. I mean, he just looks like the perfect player for this course. He's got two straight top 25 finishes, so I think Russell Henley could have a great week. Um, by the way, when you talk about stats, I mean, like, he is number one in the field in approach and number three in ball striking. That is pretty daggum good. Um, you look at his course history here, it is um, it's not all that great. He's missed two cuts in a row, but whatever. I'm going to play him anyway at 8,200. I like that price. Another guy, Keegan Bradley at 8,300. He's also checking a lot of boxes this week. You look at opportunities gained, he's top 15. He's top, you know, the ball striking stats, approach, all that kind of stuff. Now, accuracy off the tee could be a problem. But I think Keegan is uh, is a good play this week at 8,300. Now, here's a guy that I, just like Billy Orschel, here's the guy that I actually think could be the pop-the-court play of the week, meaning nobody's talking about him. You know, Maybe they're talking about him because of his name, and that's Ricky Fowler. But he's been playing better lately. You know, I like what I've seen out of him. Um, I think he's gaining confidence each tournament he plays, and he's he's steadily getting back into form. Dare I say he could be the Jordan Spieth of this year? You know, Jordan Spieth, everybody hated going into 2020. And he he brought it back. He brought it back. Now he's he's back to being Jordan Spieth. What if Ricky Fowler's that guy this year? Who knows? He's been playing better. He's got good finishes on this course. T16 in 2019, second place finish in 2018. So I think uh I think old Ricky Fowler could be a, a true pop the cork, you know, get that good. That good wine that's been sitting in your cellar, you know, or in your closet, or wherever you like to, you, you, wherever you like to keep your wine, and you just save that one bottle, and you, you always look at it, and you never want to open it because you think there's going to be some really special occasion, but then you end up never drinking it. Like, just drink it, just pop the cork, drink it. You're going to enjoy it. So that's what the pop the cork play of the week is. Play is, and um, so I like Hovland, Wise, Henley, Keegan, and then Ricky. Fowler. Whew. Sam. I need a break. 
after all that. I need a beer. You need a beer? No, I'm just gonna drink. Chug a beer. Mm. Here, I'll drink too. Mm. There you go. What do you got, Sam? I made a uh, delicious pineapple Moscow mule tonight. Mm. <clears throat> Did you put only because a... I was out of Tito's? I had to use pineapple vodka. It's really not that good. Nah. Uh, did you yeah. put a splash of Hurricane Orange in there? <laughs> Dude, that should go on the betting wheel for sure. Yeah, orange we, need, we, need, we need that on the betting wheel. We, orange we, Hurricane Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. 40 yeah. hands? Absolutely. Um, all right, so that's the DFS plays this week. Now, let's move on to some betting plays, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. Like I said, this could be long shot season. We've seen guys... Recently, 100 to 1, 150 to 1, you know, whatever, win this tournament. Now, last year we had Hovland at 20 to 1, but still, you got some longer shot guys that you can bet on this week that I do like. And I'm going to start with the guys that, you know, up to 25 to 1, okay? So these are your shorter odds plays. Um, that's gonna, what I'm going to go with first here in the betting section. Uh, presented, presented by Covers, by the way. Covers, they're fantastic. Um I'm going to start with Hovland again at 17 to 1. That's the best odds I've seen him at. I like Victor Hovland at 17 to 1. I think he can win this tournament again. So I'll go there with him. I like Scotty Scheffler at 25 to 1. I think that's a good number for Scotty Scheffler. Um, you know, he's another guy that has not won on tour yet, but it's coming. I mean, it, it is coming. We saw him play extremely well in the uh in the Ryder Cup. So eventually he's got to get that victory. By the way, now that I'm looking at it, Scheffler's 33 to 1 on points bet. So go get him on points bet. Or if you can find him at that number somewhere around there, that's pretty good. Um, looking at that next range, so about 26 to 1, all the way up to 75 to 1. I, I mentioned Billy Horschel as a DFS play. I like him as a bet too at 30 to 1. I like Matthew Wolf at 40 to 1. I, I think Wolf is. Um, is a guy that's coming around as well. Um, you know, may you may not think he has a great, you know, game for this course, but I think he can I think he can play this course well. I, I like Wolf there at 40 to 1, and I think that's a pretty good number for him. I've seen it a lot shorter as well. And then Russell Henley, I mentioned him on the DFS show or portion. I do like him at 45 to 1. I think that's a good number. Two uh guys uh close to 75 to one i like vegas he's at 70 to one and then patrick rogers at 70 to one we saw patrick rogers play pretty well last week in bermuda i think he keeps it going this week at, and i like him there at 70 to one now a few a few longer shot guys um get a little sip here before i get to that i, I bet me drinking a beer is good for podcasting podcast radio sam um all right let's look at a few longer shot guys 76 to 1 up to 125 to 1 and i'm gonna start with kevin streelman at 80 to 1 i like him i think that is a uh that's a good number for him he's a guy that we know is very accurate off the tee you know typically a good ball striker good putter so i think streelman at 80 to 1 is a good number by the way I'm going to look in the chat here because I saw this pop up. Rory Sabatini came up in the chat as a first-round leader bet. Kisser, a boy who's hot right now, uh, talks about Rory Sabatini as a first-round leader. I like that. I think that's a that could be a decent play there. I actually have Rory Sabatini written down as a top-10 play 
at 11 to 1. I think that's a pretty good number as well for Sabs. So, Kistler, I'm with you there on Rory Sabatini. I think that could be a good play for first round leader and then maybe even a top 10 at 11 to 1. All right, moving on though, here in this range, the 76 to 1 to 125 to 1 range, I like Joel Damon at, at 100 to 1. I think that's a good number for him. I mean, Damon is a guy that's, uh, you know, didn't he win in Mexico? Wasn't that where he won earlier? I think he won Mexico, somewhere in Mexico. Um, the, the, what's that? What's the name of that? Oh, it's Dominican. Okay. Either way, um, I do like Joel Damon this week at 100 to 1. I like Russell Knox also at 100 to 1. I think that is a good number as well in that range. Moving on to some bombs. So these are guys that I like over 125 to 1. I like Danny Lee at 130 to 1. I'm all the reasons I mentioned. Tom Hoagie, 130 to 1. All the reasons I mentioned earlier in the DFS portion portion of the show. Vincent Whaley is a guy that I think could be a good bet because I've seen him as short as like 125 to 1, but I'm seeing him on on um I can't remember if it was DK or points, but but he's at 200 to 1. If you can get Vincent Whaley at 200 to 1, I, I think you jump on that. I, I think you jump on old, old Whaley there at 50 to 1. So DK is where he is at 50 to 1. I think that's a good number for him. Um, you know, he, he's been a guy, you know, he's finished T23 here uh, last year uh, in, in 2020. Um, you know, he's played a little bit better lately. Um, you look at you know, last week, um, he was T7 last week, T65 at the Sanderson Farms. So I think Vincent Whaley at 200 to 1 is just way too long for him. So I like that number for him. Um, and by the way, he's 125 to 1 on points bet. So you can get him at 201 on DK. That's a pretty good differential there. Uh, let's look at a few top 10s that I like this week. Um, by the way, Swafford just came up. Kyle Miller in the chat says Swafford. I don't mind Swafford as a play either. Uh, he's won here before. I think it was 2013 when Swafford won. So I think that's a, uh, you know, could be a good pick for for uh, old, old Swafficer there. And I'm I'm not sure his odds, but I bet there it's at least at like 150 to 1, somewhere around there. Sam may be able to pop those up in the chat for me when he, when he sees it. Um, looking at some top 10s, though, I like Shane Lowry, 3 to 1. I like Mito. Wow. Okay. Swafford is 310 to 1 on FanDuel. So, damn, it's pretty good. Um, I like Mito Pereira at 45 or plus 450. I like Johnny Vegas at plus 500. These are top 10s, by the way. I like Chris Kirk at plus 700. I think this is a good course fit for him. I mentioned Knox as a outright bet. Well, if you're in a lot of these outright bets, and I talk about this most weeks. If you don't want to take you know those long odds, then look and see what their top 10s or their top 20s are. And if you like those numbers, then just go ahead and do that. Um, so I like Russell Knox at plus 700 as well. Um, and then, who else? I got Sabatini. I mentioned him at 11 to 1. And then Vincent Whaley is 14 to 1. So I think that is a really good number for him to finish in the top 10. And um, what else? Let's look at a few top twenties. Let's go to let's go to some top twenties. Um, Pat, I got a question for you. Yes. Am I crazy to throw a flyer on Cooch? I mean, no. What he's is got it? T- well, he's a hundred to one. 
Okay. He's seven to one for a top 10 and he's got finishes T36 of Fortinet T35 at Shriners. And he finished in, I believe the top 10 at Mayakoba last year after he won. You know, I don't think that's a crazy, you know, I mean, now the history here speaks for itself. It's good and bad. He's won here. And he also created a lot of people just hating him after that. Um, it's funny because Cooch was a guy that everybody seemed to love. They'd always, you know, Cooch in the stands and everything. And then after that whole incident, man, he got just ripped for it. I mean, canceled. I mean, just canceled because of that. It's kind. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Just one little thing, but I mean, I get it. But you know. People deserve a little break sometimes, you know. Everybody makes mistakes, folks. Okay, I make them every single day. Um, let's look at a few top twenties, though. I, I, I'll give you a few out there. Um, I mean, these odds are all going to be in that like plus two hundred to to maybe up to like plus six hundred or so. But um, so I don't really take a whole lot of top twenties, but I think there are some if you like these kind of bets that you can look at. Um, you know, I think Johnny Vegas plus 230. I like Patrick Rogers plus 260. I like Pendrith again this week plus 300. You know what? He may be leading going into the, the final day, but uh, if you got him as a top 20, it doesn't matter if he chokes because he's probably not going to choke past out of the top 20. Um, that would be incredible. But Taylor Pendrith there at plus 300. Chris Kirk is plus 300. I think that's a good play as well. A little bit longer. Um, you know, you got guys like Luke List at plus 650. I always say Luke List never wins anybody any money, but he did recently. So you're getting, getting him at plus 650. You're getting Hank Leviota at plus 650. He had a really good stretch not very long ago. People are kind of forgetting about that. But he's a great ball striker. If he just gets that putter going, Hank Leviota could show up and get you a top 20 as well at that plus 650 number. Um, a couple more here, you know, you got a Zach Johnson at plus 700. He's a guy that's just, you know, kind of, he's a short knocking accurate off the tee, you know, hits greens, maybe can make some putts. Um, you know, I mentioned Vincent Whaley. He's at plus 650, uh, as a top 10 as well. So those are just a few, or, or excuse me, as a top 20. So those are just a few that you could look at, um, as far as bets this week. Now, I think, though, if I'm going to kind of wrap up the betting portion of the show and kind of give you my favorite plays here, okay? All right? And those are going to be, and it's it's just, because I gave you a lot of names tonight. A lot of names, but I'll give you my favorites here in these categories. Uh, you know, in the shorter odds, I mentioned Hovland at 17 to 1. I, I think, you know, that's probably where I'm going to go and have a lot of money there on Hovland again at 17 to 1. So I'll go with that one there. I'm going to go with Russell Henley at 45 to 1. Love that play. Love that bet this week. I think when you're going a little bit longer, I love Streelman at 80 to 1 and Knox at 100 to 1. And then I have to say, my favorite play in, in, as a bomb may be Vincent Whaley at 200 to 1. I think that's a fantastic play. And as far as top 10s at 14 to 1 for Vincent Whaley, I absolutely love that. And I love Russell Knox at 7 to 1 as a top 10. So those are the favorite plays brought to you by covers this week. Um, that went by kind of fast, Sam. 
I guess it goes by fast when you don't have somebody like DB talking. Half forever. speed. Half speed. Yeah. At least. Um, you know, I'm, before we go on to the next segment, which is the ending segment, and here's another thing that I do every week. So I do the Fantasy Golf Somalia. Of course I do the Tour Junkies pod with DB. But I do the Fantasy Golf Somalia. And then on the Chalk Bomb email, which if you haven't signed up for the Chalk Bomb email, you need to go to the website, bottom of the page on the first page, sign up for the Chalk Bomb. It's fantastic information. Don't worry about the fact that sometimes the Chalk Bomb actually wins, and it's supposed to be the one we're really fading. Okay? That doesn't matter. It's really good information. There's a lot. There's head-to-head matchups. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. We're giving you a lot of good stuff for free in the chalk bomb. So you really need to go and get that. But in the chalk bomb at the end, we have pontificate with Pat. Okay. And these are things that I think about on occasion that just pop in my mind that either annoy me or I don't understand them. Um, or I, they're just thoughts that just kind of hit my mind. And I'm like, I don't know where they come from, but that's just what happens. And so we're going to end with some live pontificate with Pat thoughts. But first, I need to get another beer. Now, uh, Pat, do you pontificate in the robe, or is that strictly for when you're being a sommelier? Uh, sometimes I pontificate in the robe. Okay. I, you know, the robe... You know, the robe is, has many purposes. Okay, just checking. Yeah. Uh, you can ask my wife about some of the other purposes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. All right. Ooh. Pouring a beer, pouring a beer. That's what we're doing right now so that we can get into some pontificate thoughts. Um, do you ever have weird pontificate thoughts, Sam? Yeah. Like, especially like when I'm walking my dog. Hmm. I get random thoughts, but then I don't write them down, so I don't remember them. That's a good time for 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 pontificate thoughts. You know, there's there's um so for me it's like the shower, mm -hmm. driving, driving a lot gives me some some thoughts. The grocery store, that's a big one. The grocery store for some reason I have a lot of pontificate thoughts. Um, what else? Um, I think walking the dogs a good one. You know, they just they and now because I have to write it. I have, I, I record, like, I do a quick recording audio of me, you know, talking about the pontificate thought because I know I'll forget it. Just like you said, you know, if I, if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget it. And that's just what happens. Right. And, you know, sometimes when I write it, they don't, you know, people don't laugh. They don't think it's funny. Yeah. I, I, I probably, I mean, I think you have a, like a, you're over 500 on getting me to laugh with your pontifications. Okay, so I'm over 500 with you. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, well, we'll see what happens tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be over 500, but... Um, I think you're going to crush it. I think we're ready. All right, here's, here's my first one. Tipping. What is going on with tipping in this country right now? Everything has to have a tip line on it. And it, it really bothers me. I mean, you're checking out at Subway, and you got to click an extra button for the, the tip line, okay? Or, or something like that. I mean, before you know it, the grocery store is going to have a tip line on it when you're going through the grocery line. 
I don't understand it. Everybody, everybody needs a tip. Now, look, I'm a good tipper. Okay, good service. By the way, here's an example. Friday night, I meet some friends up at a bar in my neighborhood to go to watch the Braves game. I think I had two or probably three. I say two, but I think probably three liquor drinks. The guy charged me for one. So I gave him a $20 tip because I was like, he's, 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 he's cutting me a break. And so I'm going to give him a really big tip. I don't mind tipping. I really don't. But all these things, like if you're going through the subway checkout line and you got to say, you know, uh, 10%, 15%, 20% or no thanks. I'm, I'm clicking no thanks every single time. I, and look, I get it there, but there, you know, it's just that, that is not providing an extra service to me. So I'm just not a fan of all these tip lines that I'm seeing. I feel like everywhere I go, there's a new place that wants a tip. You're checking out a, you're checking out a, you know, get some clothes or something. They want a tip. I don't know. It just drives me crazy. Do you tip your grocery bagger? Um, Sam, we go to Publix around here, and you're not supposed to tip at Publix, okay? Well, I don't know. They where have I, where I go, everything. they have a jar. They have a tip jar for the grocery bagger. I don't know if that's normal or not. No, they have signs everywhere at Publix that say you're not supposed to tip them. Oh, I'm getting screwed. All right. Yeah. I mean, if there's a tip jar, like if, you know, somebody's playing some music on a corner or something and they, you know, it's good stuff, you know, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw some money in there. It's just these other mundane, you know, normal day-to-day businesses that don't normally get a tip now have tip lines on their, on their credit card receipts. And it drives me crazy. Um, Here's another one. What is the deal with bugs and lamps? Like in the fan, like a fan, you got an overhead fan in your bedroom and you got the, it's got the light on it and you get bugs in there. Like how do those bugs get in there? I don't understand it. I don't, like even a big ass bug will get in that lamp and you got to, you got to clean it out and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't understand bugs in lamps, you know, like, like the overhead fan lamps. And now I know they like light. I get that. I'm not saying that I don't understand the fact that bugs are attracted to light, but they get all up in there and that's sealed pretty good. At least my fan in my bedroom, it, I think it's sealed pretty good. And I don't understand how they get in there. I mean, is there any prevention tips for bugs in lamps? Like, I, I don't understand it. it. Pisses me off. Um, and I don't like cleaning it because it's hard to it's hard to take it down. And then clean the lamp, or you know, clean the glass, and then put it back up. It, it just—I don't understand the whole bugs and lamp thing. And I, I need to get them. I need to get them out. It bothers me. You know, here's where I thought of that one. I was taking a nap, Sam, and I'm sitting there looking at the the lamp that's a it, you know connected to the fan, the light thing, and I see all these bugs in there, and it just it made me mad because I just started thinking. Of, it made my nap not go so well because I started thinking about how I needed to get up. And clean it. Right. Well, sometimes bugs that look like they're too big to even fit, like through the crevice yeah, of the fixture, like, they, they get in, in there? there. Maybe yeah. they get in there like as like larva, you know, as like baby bugs. And then and they, they live long they enough to grow there. bigger? Yeah. No, you'd think the light would kill them, though. 
I don't the know. The heat, the heat from the light would kill the larva. But but I have problems with that also. So if anybody has a solution, please yeah, comment. I would love a solution for that. Comment um on this video. Thank you. Um, speed bumps. I speed bumps are just so dumb. I don't understand speed bumps. I mean, what the hell? I hate them. I, have you ever been in a situation where you're like? By the way, David's calling me right now. Doesn't he know I'm freaking doing a show? <laughs> like, what the hell is he calling me on the stuff? Um, I should take the call. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good idea. Hang on. Let's do that live. Hey, Patrick. Hey, uh, DP. I'm recording a show, and I've uh, answered the phone while I'm recording. I totally forgot about that. Is it Monday night? It's Monday night, and uh, you're you're uh, you're right against my mic, so everybody can hear you. Uh, listen, everyone. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening to Pat solo Pat tonight. Really appreciate the dedication from everybody. Me and me and Chalk Bomb Ben are walking the streets of Washington D.C. right now, trying not to uh, you know get mugged or panhandled to death. So hope everybody's doing well and have a great week. Thanks, Pat. Take it away. <laughs> Okay. I think I embarrassed him for once. <laughs> that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, he had no clue that I was recording. What is going on? I bet he's drunk. Um, let's get back to speed bumps, though. I just, have you ever been in a situation where you're going over a speed bump and thought, you know what? I'm glad this speed bump is here. Because I haven't. <laughs> like, I don't ever, I never am happy that the speed bump has come upon me and I got to slow down and you got to, by, by the way, there's an art to going over a speed bump. Okay. You got to like take your foot off the brake, go over it. Like, cause if you do it the wrong way, it's even bumpier and it, it's, it's worse. So you got to know how to go over a speed bump. And I just, I just can't stand them. And I know there's some safety. There's a safety reason for them. Wait, wait, what is the right way to go over it though? I... No, you didn't know. You didn't know you, no, what's the right way to go over a speed bump? Well, you Side. can go you can go at angle. an angle. You can go okay. at an angle or but it, you can't have your foot on the gas going over a speed bump. You you take it off the gas and you kind of roll over it because mm. it, it makes it less bouncy. Or you can do it at an angle. Like what I try to do is if I have a if I have a a crease and you can have only two two wheels have to go over the actual speed bump, that's okay. that's the better way to do it. Huh, um, all right. Anyway, I can't stand speed speed bumps. Can't stand them. Um. By the way, here's another one from a recent uh, article. Chop bomb. I can't whistle. I've tried to whistle my entire life, and it's it's kind of embarrassing for me. Um, but I'm not a whistler. I don't know how to whistle. Like I have never been able to do it. I've tried it now. What I can do is whistle with my fingers. I can whistle with my fingers loudly. Like, let's see. Let me try it. <laughs> see, I can whistle with my fingers, but I can't do it just like with my mouth. I don't understand why that is. Um, I don't think you like that one, Sam. Well, is that a, it's not really a pontification. It's more of just like a disability that you have. So you're, you're saying I'm disabled because I can't. Yeah, you're whistle. whistling disabled. 
Uh, well, I can whistle with my fingers though. Just mm -hmm. not, just not. It's not the right way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I actually can't do it the right way. I I can do it like if I suck air in, but I've been told the correct. I don't way is... think that. I feel like that's cheating. That's... that's cheating. Yeah. The other way, I really can't do it. No, so need, I'll, I'll the air needs whistle. to be going out. Right in. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I too am whistling disabled. Okay. Um. Here, here's my last one that I have actually. Okay, and I thought about this one last week, and I was going to write it in the article, but I in the chalk bomb, but I couldn't. I didn't have time, and so we didn't. We didn't get it to it. Um, I think a lot of people can re relate to this. Mexican restaurant chips. I don't understand how you can go to a Mexican Mexican restaurant and they give you chips left and right. They, I mean, you get chips just thrown at you. And I love them. They are great chips. They are so good. They're crispy in the restaurant. They're crispy. They're just perfect. They got a little heat to them, meaning like they're kind of warm. But as soon as those chips leave the premises of the restaurant, they go stale. And I don't understand that. They can bag them up for you. They can do whatever you want. Those Mexican restaurant chips are no longer good when they touch the air after you leave the restaurant. And it drives me crazy because you can't get the same chips at the grocery store. You can't. Maybe somebody knows some chips that taste just like Mexican restaurant chips, you know, that you can buy at the grocery store. But I'm telling you right now, there, I have not, I don't know of any. And don't give me like Tostitos or some kind of stuff like that. Tostitos restaurant style. That's not even that that is not even restaurant style. But I'm telling you, these chips have something in them that as soon as they leave the building that you're in, they are no longer good and they are stale. And it drives me crazy. Like I want I want those chips to stay good longer. I want to be able to take them home with me. Okay. Do do you think maybe that's what's not in them though? Like you know, like a Tostito is probably full of like preservatives and shit, right? So yeah. maybe it's those homemade chips like don't have that stuff. So they're, I'm you know. sure. I mean, they're, you know, you get them at the grocery store, they're bagged and whatever else. But, you know, I'm just, and, and kiss or no, Tostitos Cantina Thins aren't the same as the rest, the Mexican restaurant I go to. They're just not. Okay. Um, Anyway, that's really all I got, Sam. Um, it's been an interesting show. I think that uh, gave out some good plays for DFS plays, gave out some good bets. I appreciate um, anybody that stuck around to actually watch, um, but hopefully we get some, uh, some, some, some new listeners maybe. I don't think we're going to get new listeners, but maybe we will. Um, by the way, thank you to Covers.com for sponsoring the show. Um, they are a fantastic site. you got to go check them out, Covers.com. It is unbelievable. We will have an article this week, a blog article on Covers.com. We'll give you some head-to-head matchups and those type picks, so it will be another week. We're going to do that every week on Covers.com, so you've got to check it out. And uh, Anyway, I appreciate everybody, and um, that's all, all I got. May your screens be green. Out!